Today's scripture reading comes from excerpts of Genesis 37, verses 2 to 34. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. Verse 23, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornamented robe back to their father and said, we found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. This is the word of God. 
Hey, what's going on, everyone? My name is Brian, one of the pastors here at Metro Church. And if this is your first time here, if you're visiting, checking us out, we are uh, glad. I'm glad that you are here to join us and worship this morning. And just to keep you and everyone else up to speed, uh, we've been going through a sermon series on the book of Genesis. And uh, we've been going for the past few months, and we're actually now slowly landing the plane. And as we're landing this plane, we're introduced to one of the most important figures, uh, not only in the book of Genesis, but the Bible and our history, is of one known as Joseph. Now, many of us, we've probably heard about Joseph in some shape or form because of the Hollywood platform given to this historical person. You know, so it's easy for us to just look at Joseph simply for his impressive resume, you know, which is true. Uh, we see that he would be the prime minister of Egypt, that he would save thousands of lives, including his own family. But when we look at the life of Joseph, there's something far more greater than just his credentials. If anything, uh, the life of Joseph, it tells us something more important about life in itself, and it is this. See, the life of Joseph is going to show us the reality of our broken and messy world, just like we are seeing right now. But at the same time, what Joseph will show us is that we can only find our hope in a sovereign God, which is something that we absolutely need during these crazy and difficult times. So as we dive into the life of Joseph, uh, I have three points for us to navigate our time today. The depth of sin, the plan of God, and the beauty of grace. The first point, the depth of sin. Now, Joseph, he's that younger sibling that many of us would despise and would be jealous of. He was the favored one. He's that one kid that got all of the attention growing up. And if we actually knew him personally, we would probably hate this kid. See, in verse 3, it specifically tells us that Jacob, the father, loved Joseph more than all of his sons. That he loved him so much that he got a special robe for him. And this robe, it wasn't just a robe, but this robe was a representation of something so much more. See, Jacob, his father, he lavished money on Joseph in ways that he did not do with his other sons. Joseph was the center of Jacob's source of joy and love. He favored Joseph. But why was that the case? There's some background to what I'm trying to say. See, prior to Genesis chapter 37, we would be introduced to Jacob the father. And Jacob, uh, he, growing up, desperately sought out the love of his father, which he never got. In his life, he never got the approval from his father that he desperately desired. So what he would do is he would look elsewhere. He would, so as it unfolds, he would look into a person and with a relationship with one known as Rachel. Now, fast forwarding just a little bit, we see that Jacob now would have many sons, but it would be the child with Rachel 
that he would love the most. Why? Because his love for Rachel, his passion and his desire, his worth and his value into this one person is now imputated to his son, Joseph. Joseph was the idol of Jacob's life. Joseph was the central source of joy and love. So in that, Jacob just dotes on Joseph. And he doesn't realize it, but what's happening is because of this affection and this uh, love for his son, this doting, is actually stirring in Joseph a pride and an arrogance that is actually ruining the family. What we're seeing is that their sins, their flaws, some generational, some new, is just pouring into this family. And Joseph is now being more arrogant and prideful. And we see this in verse 2. Because in verse 2, it says that Joseph would bring a bad report of his brothers to the father. Bruce Watke, an Old Testament commentator, says this about the word report, that it denotes news slanted to damage the victim. Other commentators, they will state that bad report means a false misrepresentation, meaning that he was a liar. Joseph was a snitch. She was the one that you just hated. Joseph, what we see is elevating himself by putting others down. And we actually see this through those very famous dreams that we often hear about. Yes, those romanticized dreams of Joseph are actually leakings of his pride. How do we know? Because in verse 5 and 9, we see that he's explaining these dreams. He's showcasing his visions. But it's clear that after the first dream and that he shares of it, his brothers hated him. What happens in verse 9, after he gets the second dream, he actually shares about them again. See, what does that tell us? It tells us that Joseph has no conscience of his behavior. Joseph is so boastful, so self-absorbed, so prideful and arrogant. Rather than allowing the love of his father to be more sensitive, more caring, more empathetic, he's more arrogant and prideful. So you're probably thinking, hey, Brian, I I think at this point you're uh, looking into this just a little bit too much. But look at verse 10 with me. It says that Jacob, the father, rebukes him. In the Hebrew, whenever we see rebuke, it's not a light rebuke. He's not taking it lightly. It's not just a, a slap on the wrist. But when we see the father that loved his son the most... Rebuking him is of a a, a higher rebuke. It's with high warning to be very, very careful. And what we're seeing is this, is that in response, as the other sons are now hating Joseph because of his uh, pride, we just see this big pile of mess into this family. You have a prideful younger son, You have some older, resentful sons. And on top of that, there is an irresponsible father that is showing favoritism. What we're seeing in chapter 37 is a hidden brokenness that is within the family. And this leads us to this point about sin, that the depth of sin is great. 
that it goes far deeper than what you can just see. That sins are so deep is not what you can't see, but they're often very hidden. But as they're very hidden, they're also just plaguing you and they're impacting the people that are surrounding you. Sin in many ways is like a spiritual tumor. Just as a tumor can slowly and quietly destroy your body, sin in the same way, what it's going to do is slowly corrode and corrupt your souls. See, when you think about sin in terms of the depth and how it digs deep, it goes way beyond just behavior. It goes way beyond your speech. It goes way beyond your action. And in actuality, that, those are just projections of the hate, the pride, the jealousy that your heart actually carries. That's why James chapter 4, he says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? See, I know, why, I know we, many of us, during our times, we love self-help, you know, but that's why I would argue that self-help books are, you know, never enough. I'm not saying they're bad. In fact, some of them can be helpful, but I just don't think they're never enough. The reason why I don't think they're enough is because they always result to some form of behavior modification, and it's never going into the root of our struggles, which is the heart in itself. See, only when you acknowledge this depth of sin and seeing how much brokenness it really causes you, only then will you begin to see God for who he is and what he came to do. And what he came to do was not to teach you on how to live your best life, but rather he came to rescue from the depth of sin that causes all the things that are broken within your life. There is nothing in your capabilities that can rescue you from the past that you are ashamed of. There is nothing by your strength that can defeat the sorrow that is destroying you. There is nothing of your positive thinking and good thoughts that will give you a permanent hope for the future. Theologian Martin Luther, he says it this way, that we are caterpillars in a ring of fire. Our only hope is that someone from above will rescue us. And just as his family is in the depth of their sin, what we see is that God is still working his rescue plan. And the hope for you and I and our sin and our brokenness is that this rescue plan is the same plan that he has for us. And this leads us to our second point, the plan of God. Now, when we continue in our passage, we look at verses 5 through 11. The author of Genesis, he's giving some great detail about Joseph's dreams. Now, in these two dreams, it's very clear that the author of Genesis, he's trying to highlight something very specific. And it's this, that the older brothers are bowing down to the younger Joseph. Now, why is this important? Because in ancient society, it was customary for the younger to always bow to the older. The older never bows to the younger. It means this. Joseph's dreams 
They were socially and radically subversive. They were completely countercultural. And God is saying that through Joseph, I will redeem this family in a way that completely reshapes society. He's saying, I am building a new society with new values. But as we know and what we see, just with anything that is new, it often comes with much reconstruction and rebuilding. So it's actually not surprising to see what unfolds for the life of Joseph. See, after the dreams, we see that the brothers, they were jealous. They hated him. So what they wanted to do was they, they, plot, they plotted against Joseph and they would try to kill him. Now what happens is in this plot, in the process, we see an older brother, Reuben, and what he does is he actually stops the murder. Now, we're probably thinking at this point, okay, this is the pathway to prosperity, but let's pause. Because as Reuben leaves, something worse actually happens in many ways in terms of what he's experiencing. Because what happens is they still hate him. Now, he won't get murdered, but what they do instead is they would throw him to, in a pit to punish him. And as he's in this pit, they would eventually sell him off to a caravan of Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. In verse 23, is a little bit more descriptive about the pain and suffering that Joseph is going through. In verse 23, it says that he was stripped of his robe, meaning that the robe was ripped off of him. Now, I want to highlight the word stripped, because in the Hebrew, when we see the word stripped, it means to skim an animal. Secondly, on top of that, we see that he was thrown into a pit. And more than that, it specifically says that he was dumped. When you see the word dumped, it essentially means that he was left for dead. So here Joseph is in a pit, broken, with no hope, no water, and he was skimmed just like an animal that would be left for dead. In this process, what we see is just a sheer brokenness that he is experiencing. And when we see chapter 37, what's really interesting is this. is In chapter 37, in this circumstance, in this brokenness, there is no reference to God himself. In this entire chapter, God appears absent. There is no mentioning of his name. But what we see in the life of Joseph as it unfolds is that there is a deeper reality and we see the plan of God at work. That even though he may be absent from what we see, He's always working in the background. What we see right here is that God is actually managing every single detail that is going on in this passage and for Joseph. That God is at the center. He's managing it all for the salvation of his people. See, because even prior to this, starting in verse 12, and I won't go into do too much detail, but Essentially, there's a lot of random circumstances and even strangers that had to get involved to even have this dark scenario come to fruition. And if one of these things did not happen, the rescue plan essentially fails. If Joseph uh, doesn't meet his brothers where they are, the plan would fail. If Joseph doesn't get sold away, the plan will fail. If the things uh, don't happen the, the way they were, that they happened, 
everyone dies, there would be no redemption for man, and there would be no Bible, the book that we are reading right now. See, every moment had to happen in a very particular order. None of this was coincidence. What does this mean? It means that when God seems absent, he is actually working. When God seems silent, he's actually being the most vocal. See, God is working in every single detail, every moment, and every second of your life. In other words, if you are experiencing some type of brokenness, some type of isolation, if you will, some type of suffering, know that is actually exactly where you need to be right now. And he is showing you of himself. He's shaping you to be more like him. And he's renewing you and rebuilding you for the sake of your good and his glory. God is loving you in the silence, just as he's loving Joseph in his silence. My question is for you and I, is that do you believe God is working in your life right now? And I just want to encourage us and know that God's love is beyond any love that you could ever imagine. And that his love is completely compatible with all things that are happening in your life right now. And I know you may not believe it, but what I'm trying to convey to you through scripture is that he is definitely working through it. And he's working and it's right where you need to be. And when you embrace that truth, what it will do is allow you to experience the beauty of grace through it all, which is our third and final point. What's happening, going back to this text, after he gets sold into slavery, we find Reuben again, and he's looking for Joseph in the pit. But what he sees is that Joseph is no longer in the pit because he was sold into slavery. So the brothers, when they see Reuben, they actually respond by covering it up. Rather than saying that he was sold into slavery, they, they cover it up and they say that Joseph was now killed from an animal attack. So they bring the robe of many colors that jo- Jacob gave to Joseph and asked. They go up to the father and they say, Is this your son? And in grief, the father replies, Yes. Now what I want to highlight in this, in this section of the text is why was the robe so important for Joseph's identification? See, the entire family, they knew that this robe was of great significance. See, the robe, it represented the love of Jacob towards Joseph, and it was the robe that gave Joseph an identity as Jacob's beloved son. Joseph was given this robe as an assurance of Jacob's love. And in the same way, when we think about God's rescue plan for you and I, he also gives us a robe. And just as Joseph, his robe, and it had a bloodshed of sacrifice, the robe that God gives you and I also has the bloodshed of a sacrifice. The robe that God gives us has the bloodshed of essentially an ultimate sacrifice. See, centuries later, there would be another son. And this son, 
came to his brothers, and he was also rejected. Centuries later, there would be another son, and he was sold into a worse form of slavery for a few pieces of silver. There would be another son. He would be stripped naked, abandoned, and left for dead. And this son was a greater son. He was greater Joseph. It was Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, he experienced a far greater darkness. He experienced a far greater thirst. And he experienced a far greater pit that Joseph was ever in. And we see that on the cross. And on the cross, Jesus Christ would experience the ultimate amount of pain, which was separation from his Father, and the question is why? Why would he do such a thing? And it's this so that he can go into the depth of sin to become sin, so that you and I can become the righteousness of God. He voluntarily went down to the ultimate pit so that we don't have to experience the pit of darkness that we actually deserve. And just as Joseph was stripped of his robe, leading to enslavement, Jesus Christ would be stripped of his robe, which led to death, so that we can wear the robe as a covering for our sin and shame. See, Joseph was given a robe by his father to identify him as a beloved son. Jesus, the one and only son, he lost that robe of righteousness so that we could wear it confidently so that we know exactly of who we are, which is a child of God. See, a lot of people, uh, and they're in the field of medicine, you you may be watching right now, and I know that uh, one of the greatest moments in your life is in your career is the white coat ceremony. It's this moment where you realize that All that you did, all the hours spent, all the days worked were worth it. It's the reality and the reminder that none of those sleepless nights were in vain. But above all of that, what the white coat represents was your acceptance. See, when we receive Jesus, we get the coat and we're accepted. Meaning when you're in a pit, You're not alone. We remember exactly who we are in the midst of suffering. And what comes out of the suffering, just like a refiner's fire that removes the impurities of gold, God shapes you to who God wants you to be. Johnny Erickson Tata, uh, a well-known Christian author, she's a very successful disability rights activist. You know, at the age of 17, she unfortunately went through a horrific experience and a tragic accident where she would break her neck in a diving accident. Her spinal cord was uh, severed and she became paralyzed from the shoulders down. It was a moment that she acknowledges that would forever change her life. She often shares about the struggles that she experienced. But today when you see her, you see God just working in her circumstances. And she says this, and I wanted to share this quote. 
My wheelchair was the key to seeing all this happen, especially since God's power always shows up best in weakness. So here I sit, glad that I have not been healed on the outside, but glad that I have been healed on the inside, healed from my own self-centered wants and wishes. I would rather be in this wheelchair knowing Jesus as I do than be on my feet without him. When you look at Joseph, if he was saved just circumstantially, he'd be lost forever. His pride would never have died. He never would have led with the humility that was needed for him to lead to the way we see right now. In other words, he had to go on a journey for a latter glory. And in the same way, you and I are simply on a journey in the valley, but know that is in the valley, he's working for our good and for his glory. So look deep into your sin and suffering. Consider what God may be teaching you and showing you so that you could experience the grace that only a loving and good God can provide for. To be clear, as I close out our time, you know, Christianity, it doesn't fully provide the reasons for all your pain and suffering. But what it does tell us, it tells us that there is a great purpose in it and that God is working through it and that you, because of Jesus and the robe that he gives you, offers a hope and a courage to navigate through it and that he's with you in it. Would you join me in prayer?